0: Let's face it, Graham, you uh, chanting that and then disconnecting was one of the funniest things ever. So, that
1: was the point. <laughs> also, I love that this podcast is going to start with us both laughing. <laughs> <laughs> there's no introduction, there's just both of us laughing. Just laughter.
0: Yep, unless I, unless I, well, no, I won't even try and sink something in. Who am I fooling? Uh, you, should,
1: you should actually, honestly, just start with this mm-hmm. and then like have a break and then you can do the music. And then
0: go. That's what you should do. Ah, you trickster, you. I mean, who am I to say no? Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. In our third and final installment for episode 17, it's the Superman vs. Muhammad Ali of Comic Podcasts as Graham McMillan and I go head to head on The Return of Bruce Wayne, number 6, and Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, issue 16. Order is asked, and none is given in this epic hour-long thrashing out of the particulars. And of course, by the time I've mixed this and posted it, yet another Grant Morrison Batman comic has appeared, threatening to keep the cycle running in perpetuity. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening.
1: It's yeah. like I'm an audio engineer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Return of Bruce Wayne, number six of six, you want to
1: talk about it? Um, it's awesome, and it broke my brain the first time I read it. I honestly read it and was like, huh, I think this is good. I don't really know what I've read. I should probably read it again. <laughs> um, did you have the same... Th- like, is it just me? I honestly read it and was like, I think that was good, but I honestly don't know what I've read.
0: That's pretty interesting. What I had was this weird sort of complex reaction of the first half of it I was reading and I'm like oh no this is crap I don't necessarily even know what I'm reading but it's not going to come together it's all going to fall apart and then the second half of it I loved um and so I kind of walk away going there there is so much to think about in the second half of that book especially I guess the first half but the first half is in a way that I don't like thinking about books for me, where it's like... <laughs> I don't like thinking. Yeah, exactly. That's the way it's going to make... That's the kind of rube I'm going to come out feeling. No, because again, to me, a little bit like Iron Man 2...
1: Wait, wait, where's, the, where's the cutoff point for you then? Where, where, does, where does it stop?
0: Uh, da, 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 da. Where does the
1: good stuff start?
0: Um, that is a good point. For me, the good stuff starts explicitly, very much at the point where um, where Red Robin starts talking to him. Um, God, I can't believe that I'm, I'm blocking on, on his name. Tim. When Tim starts talking yeah. to, to Bruce, that's when things start to get a little bit better. I'm not even necessarily sure that I'm going with it, but then, actually, once Wonder Woman steps in, Things
1: so, like... so once it becomes less of a Batman is fighting with Justice League,
0: well, yeah, when because there's some really bad storytelling choices again. The...
1: See, I I find especially with the last couple of issues of Return of Bruce Wayne, um, that the art has had a massive impact on how I take the story, first of all, and I have to do a review to get past that, right? I yeah. think League Arbit is, I think this is a horrible thing. I think League Arbit with a different anchor would be look a lot better. I think the inks did not serve his work well at all. And I'm not even saying that as in I've seen him inked by so and so and I think they're great. I just think the Walden Wong in this case I think Walden Wong is not a good inker. I I'm just I'm sorry Walden, but I've never seen him do favours for a pencil. Interesting. Um, but I think that his I think that he was not up to what the writing needed for this issue. I think I think that his work was perfectly serviceable. But especially when he gets into the very Invisible-esque, like, time is breaking and here's all the panels, which I have to admit, I'm now getting really bored of in Morrison's work. Of course. Um, I I think it it falls apart and I think it just shows him up to be a journeyman artist as opposed to a a great artist.
0: You know what? Honestly, and this is my problem, this is where I kind of thought... It was serviceable from an art way. I actually kind of liked seeing uh, an artist that's a little more mainstream try and tackle the the more Grant Morrison-y aspects of it. For me, the problem was storytelling. I uh, the the comparison I was I realize is it reminds me a lot in that sense of Iron Man 2. And maybe it's part where I'm not being attentive, but like the whole like Batman's like stolen the time bubble. And then everyone's like trapped in this other bubble that they think is the force field that they're punching their way out of. That's the new, the new time machine that's been built for them. I
1: genuinely love that. I
0: liked it retroactively when I figured out what was going on through the process of it. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. I thought that the, you know, Starting it with Bruce Wayne showing up and smoldering and talking to the archivist. Um, and then, of course, you've got. You've got. You literally have a jump of a page where it's like they show up and you do not see. You don't see Batman take the time bubble. It's like just kind of neatly let out of there. You see them leave the time bubble. You don't even see Batman in the same thing as the time bubble. But then you make the jump to. Him and Red Robin and the other – I just thought that, that was – See, that's
1: really not a problem for me because we've seen Batman Take the Time Bubble four issues ago.
0: Yeah. Um, again, I kind of feel like that might work a little bit better as, as a trade thing, but I kind of thought that that was a storytelling hindrance
1: in the I, story. That, that's fascinating because I, I like that. I like that you didn't see that and you had to put it together.
0: Yeah, I was not happy with all the stuff that I had to put together while it was going on in order to make Again, everything Again, just sense. don't like thinking. I, that's See, it. I, I that is my
1: problem. I don't think it's the same as Iron Man 2 because you have if you have been reading the story and I think by the sixth issue of six, there is a fair bet that you have been. You have seen <laughs> that happen. It's not that he's expecting you to fill in something that you've not seen. He's just presenting the information in a different order. And I, I'm, I am completely fine with that and in fact in favor of that uh i I think it's it's very different from iron
0: well i'm not i'm not a fan not not a fan i'm not a fan of the fact that the the batman's new suit um is there's not a really clear line between what part of it is the um what the archivists have given well, him and what that, part of it that, is the hyperfauna infestation. That's why I
1: had to reread it because I was like, you know, what is what? And I think it's that there is no clear crossover. The archives gives them everything thinking that's it, but it's already been infected and it slowly becomes more of the hyper adapter. Yeah. To the point where at the end, it is essentially just a hyper adapter, and that's why he has to take it off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, there, but again, that that is not clear. And I I don't think I think that's a storytelling um, problem insofar as I think the writing lets it down. I don't think like anything in the art could have helped with that. Well, I agree.
0: Uh, I I think there's not enough scenes in the book in the first half of the book because it's so so super compressed. He's got so much on his plate, and so yeah, the first half of him fighting the Justice League I just thought was kind of all over the all over the map. Once you get Wonder Woman to step in and start talking about things and what's great is she's actually talking about stuff on multiple levels. You see the way and you you it kind of helps provide a sort of segue into how to see the the conclusion of the book on multiple levels.
1: And um, what I like about Wonder Woman is I think this is the first time Morrison's done Wonder Woman well. Mhm. I think it's the first time Morrison has provided a Wonder Woman who is not, who does something that Superman doesn't, I guess. Yes. Um, which I thought, like, I'd, I'd be interested to see more Morrison Wonder Woman after this, which I don't think I ever would have thought myself I'd say after, like, what he'd done with her in Final Crisis and Justice League. Right. Right, um,
0: exactly. Because I don't think he, of course, he was writing her the same way. This is a way that he's, he's kindly figured out, finally figured out a way to tell stories about Wonder Woman or to have a hook for Wonder Woman that makes sense in the Grant Morrison way of doing things.
1: And what's really interesting is I think the way that Wonder Woman came over mm-hmm. um showed that she's a better character, a better vehicle for the type of stories he wants to tell about superheroes than any other DC character because she more naturally goes into the realm of myth. Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel as much as I'm enjoying what Morrison's doing with Batman I feel that the more he tries to push it towards, like, this is myth, very Mm -hmm. self-importantly, I kind of want to shy away from it. I I want to be able to draw that for myself as opposed to having characters tell me every two pages that this is myth. Well, Do you know what I mean? Yes, I I do. um... And I feel that with Wonder Woman, you can do that more easily because Wonder Woman is literally a creature of myth.
0: Right. I I agree. I, I agree and... I guess to me the thing that the the thing that I think is interesting about uh the return of Bruce Wayne ultimately um and, and this this whole sort of exorcism of Batman I suppose uh that is taking place through the the six issues in a way it's like Superman beyond uh the the final crisis tie-in where Morrison figures out a way he's he basically has constructed a story that is a, essentially a story that um is a meta story at the same way where the where it's not just you've got the story is the meta story um rather the meta story is the story you know what i mean like yeah. it's not it's literally like sewn into the idea of um, when she is talking about... The thing that I think really worked very well is she's like, oh, the hubris of when men kill gods. And at one point she talks about the fury, the thing that is hunting him. You know, she's using these very traditional mythological terms that make sense in her way, which is fantastic. And then she starts talking about metaphor. You know, when she starts talking about killer, you know, metaphor weapons and talking about the way that Darkseid, that, that literally what Darkseid has sort of done is try to kill Batman by retroactively destroying our idea of Batman. Like, that shouldn't actually make sense, um, but the thing that I really enjoyed about the second half of the issue is kind of how it does, and the way in which I feel like Wonder Woman could be a really interesting vehicle for the way that Morrison... for Morrison's stories, and also maybe for what Morrison wants to do with the DC universe from here on out. Because he finally has a character in whom an ability to have self-awareness and to move in two different realms, the realm of actuality and the realm of... in which metaphor is a... Of a, a, a sort of viral manifestation or intrusion into that reality makes a lot of sense you know? yeah
1: and it, it, it really was a, an interesting um, an interesting role for her as well mm-hmm. yeah
0: very much so I, and, it was and, very uh, funny
1: because the complete continuity in, in me is like you know it's supposed to be the other Wonder Woman <laughs> like I, I, I honestly like that was my first thought when I saw it I was like really?
0: <laughs> no jacket? Is that what you mean by exactly. the other Wonder Woman? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, That's she, really shouldn't funny. Be, she shouldn't be with the Justice League, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what's, what's funny is, like, it had to be that Wonder Woman, if that makes sense. hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think it shows the value of that Wonder Woman in a way that hasn't been shown for me until like since Rucker wrote the character. hmm. hmm. Well, and, and even for me, God bless,
0: I think the thing that interests me is. My problem with Rucka's take on on Wonder Woman was that it was almost too literal, you know. What I like about Morrison is he's figured out a way in which the slippery nature of myth in which it it is about more than just what it's about um really suits this sort of conception of 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 what we see in this issue of return of Bruce Wayne where She's somebody who inherently gets that. She understands what it means to have a to have to to be comfortable in a world in which these weird un uh, incomprehensible intrusions into reality. I, I guess I'm just repeating myself here. It's a very different take on her, and it's a very different switch from I think anything that we've ever seen. Because again, Rucka I thought did a great job with uh, here's like how I'm sewing together this character and mythology and the real world, but there was a way in which it always struck me as very literal, and at that point maybe it's just an age thing for me, but there's a point at which when you take myth too literally, you literally lose a dimension to it and it just becomes kind of cool shit, you know what I mean?
1: Like, I, I, I think definitely he approached it with the an element of cool shit, but I also don't think he was only taking it literally. Mm. I think there was more metaphor than you've given him credit
0: for. That could be because I have to admit I did not follow all the way through on the on Rucka's Run, so I I was pretty quick to to kind of go eh it's not it's not really interesting to me, uh, and again because I kind of felt that he was doing more of the. Diana is proud warrior kind of thing that I'm not really sure that I'm down with the the warrior conception of her. I cannot believe I'm spending so much time talking about Wonder Woman in this issue that's about Batman. Uh, I know. It's
1: funny. Um, here's it's something else entirely. Did this not make you really wish that Batman Robin 16 had come out afterwards?
0: Oh, completely. Absolutely. Um, I mean,
1: I, I know a lot of people have talked about the scheduling fuck up, but I honestly don't see why couldn't have kept batman robin especially because like an issue of batman robin came out two weeks before that yeah they actually could have kept it yeah um yeah. It, it 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 was very strange it was very strange for me to read this having already already read the end of the story and if i had read this first i would have understood simon hurt and his fate better in yes. batman robin 16 mm-hmm. like it actually seemed a weird um a weird choice from that as well
0: well, I, I assume they just had all those um, the road home one shots that they literally couldn't hold all that up as well. Like it was just one of those weird like this was such a crucial piece of the puzzle. And, <laughs> and yet and everything. You know I...
1: Yes. I was going to say, you know what I realized? Are you reading Brightest Day?
0: Uh, I have. I'm not.
1: I'm not. Bright... Brightest Day has is now featuring Bruce Wayne as of the next issue. Yes, I saw and it actually. And I was, they had and an I was ad- wondering ad- if that's one of the reasons why they essentially pushed ahead, even though. Oh, ones. I see. If they're right. like, no, it threw off Brightest Day as well. Right. Like it would be throwing off two different events if they kept it.
0: Honestly, I, th- I think that the number of books that would have thrown off would have been, yeah, close to a dozen, including a biweekly title. And they were just like, we can't do that. We just cannot back all this stuff up. Because it's going to screw everything up. That said, it's kind of it's kind of heartbreaking. I'm not sure. Although there were some, I'm not sure that honestly this would have helped.
1: It really, it really uh, the talk about adapter really helped me with my understanding of what happened when Hurt ate the bad Avatar in mm-hmm. the past and mm-hmm. going forward like I understood that on some level and then after reading this I was like oh so that's what it was right yeah I think
0: I I think I didn't have a problem with that my problem this is interesting because I was kind of hoping that I could talk about uh we could talk about this and Batman and Robin uh Boy Wonder 16 and sort of Batman Incorporated as they kind of all merged together because I have to say the Simon Hurt character is um so frustrating for me. It's like in it's like RIP and then in this run all over again. It's like the character spends, you know, all these months like posturing and maneuvering into position and then he just falls apart into nothing. This is I, I honestly felt with like sixteen, when he shows up and his big showdown with Batman could not have felt like, I was just like, oh, right. There's really nothing to this character at all. Like,
1: But it, I think that's the point. Yeah, but... Like, not... seriously, I, I think the point is mm-hmm. that Hurt is... Well, I, I, this might be me misreading but, uh, the books. Mm-hmm. Hurt is, in some sense, a reincarnation of Darkseid. Dark side is the idea of evil. And mm-hmm. the evil is scary as long as you give it power. So when you bring Batman in, who refuses to give it power, it's shown to be an empty, uh, an empty threat. Yeah. Because um, that... if you think about it, Hurt is not... Before Bruce Wayne comes back mm-hmm. in Batman and Robin's series, Hurt is fucking everything up. Right. He is winning. Right. It's only when Bruce Wayne comes back, someone who has made the decision that they are not going to allow this to happen. Someone who is not scared of evil. Someone who understands also that hurt is an idea as much as a person. That hurt goes to pieces. And he literally goes to pieces.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Like he's taken out really quickly. Right. And the only other person who stands up to him is the Joker, who also doesn't really give a shit about the idea of evil.
0: Right no no no, no. I, I i
1: think i think it's important that it's the two that if you look at her dress as a character mm-hmm. and more as an idea that people who fear the idea of evil are powerless against him and he wins quote-unquote and it's only when the characters it's only when characters who do not care about that idea or or are not. Yeah, no,
0: I'm sorry. It's, it's, I, I, that, that sounds awesome on paper, (laughs) but seriously, in the course of the, of the issue, it just, it doesn't hold up that way. It doesn't hold up in a way that, for example, the, um, you know, Bruce, Bruce Wayne's little exorcism of the all over in the second half of Return of Bruce Wayne, even in as, unbelievably abstract and fluid a way as it happens i feel that it's happening i feel that that is something that's validly being put on the table i feel that what happens with it, it at the end of batman and robin is absolutely utterly uh, convenient hand waving um you know there's there's the setup of like for example where with commissioner gordon in the previous issue where he's like You know, they kind of say, like, you know, you were able to, like, fight off Pig's thing. Maybe you can do the same, make the city do the same and get back there. And he shows up wearing a dress in issue 16 and says, like, get me some clothes. We're going to do something. And then he doesn't do anything. And also that entire concept of, like, there was something that happened here with Pig that made you be able to throw off his influence, that never gets touched on again because I feel that no, it's, but it's
1: but it's it's said in the dialogue. Yeah, Graham, no, it's is it, said
0: in the dialogue as this as this one little convenient hand wavy thing. You're making it sound like if somebody steps forward and goes, "Wow, the power of the great Googly Moogly!" you know no, what I no, mean? No, like, no, why not no, say you use I know, the force I mean, at like, that
1: point? The whole thing about the addiction that theoretically addiction burned itself out, which is like a complete get out clause because they can't leave. Gordon as, like. A transvestite junkie But like it's not For my mind like That's a suspension of disbelief thing Dude. And really as a reader I don't want to see him save the day So uh, I'm fine And being like I'm taking charge And then doing nothing because he can do the cleanup. Because I want to see The main characters of the book Yeah but they they
0: Okay it, normally In what people would think of as like Traditional superhero comics his ability to cast things off would have been the key to Damien and Dick figuring out how to defeat Professor Pig. Maybe it's a little too cliche for you kids these days, Graham. <laughs> what to wow, have things really? like make that voice. sense? I'm and, I'm well, that voice. because really, I, I I'm joking, but I'm but there's also You're kind of a what? level okay. of. That's I hard. no, I'm totally you're, joking.
1: You're I'm, joking in quotation marks.
0: I, I'm I'm joking in the sense of I'm making fun of how the, how old this makes me sound. But I do, but I do have this thing of like, Graham. There's other ways that these things could have been handled. You're 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 giving you're giving Morrison too much of the benefit of the doubt in some no, crucial it's, places. Here's like,
1: I am, but I'm also so used to Morrison screwing up his own climaxes. Then I'm also just relieved that it's touched on in a line of dialogue, as opposed to after the fact someone said, oh, it's a really good thing that didn't end up the way it could have.
0: Okay. I would have do been you know happier I mean? if you'd said that going in than a spirited defense of, like, no, no, not, no, I, no.
1: I, no, but I do think that, like, the hurt as idea thing stands up. That oh, great. is not my problem.
0: I, I don't have a problem with that. Although... The idea that he is then beaten by essentially refusing to give him any power seems to
1: me... That, I like that. That, like, that resonates with me.
0: That concept resonates with me. It, it does not resonate I'm, to I'm, me either at all in the slightest way. way. I am. <laughs> I am. I am a cynical person. If you go down to like a war-torn country, like the idea of not giving anyone any power... Like, therefore, it does not prevent them from, like, kicking in the door and shooting you in the head. And so there's, to me, there is a like kind of level... Also, there's all these like, other characters... I, I agree with
1: you, but at the same time, it's a comic, and it's a comic where they talk very clearly about ideas and the power of ideas. I agree. Agreed. I, th- I, I think to say, like you have been doing, sir, mm-hmm. that you love the, that there is an acknowledgement of the idea and the metaphor... And the mm-hmm. connection with larger myth and to then complain that he's trying to do something without on a plot level, yeah, it's a bit. No, 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 no. I, what um, I'm but...
0: saying, what I'm saying is, is like for example, at, like in Superman Beyond, and he gets all this stuff set up when he talks about the idea that Superman, as thought creature, is fighting evil. You know, as metaphor at a moment in the page where he's turned them into those things. And you realize that at the same time, that's the way that it's always worked. So his concept of like, you know, because Superman's fighting in the kingdom of thoughts, this is an eternal battle. um, He's riffing on both the platonic sense of it. And he's also literally talking about what's happening in the story. And he's talking, you know, it works on like, to me, if things work on multiple levels, the end of Batman the Return of Bruce Wayne 606 works in a way that I thought Batman and Robin Boy Wonder 16 doesn't is because he lays out enough of the structure and you're able to infer enough that, like, even as these things are metaphors that are intruding on reality the the way in which Bruce Wayne in reality fights them is specific to the story not just a not just a metaphorical fighting whereas in Batman and Robin like like Dick Grayson Damian Commissioner Gordon all of those people are fighting hurt as hurt and yet there's a way in which they cannot beat him for reasons that aren't necessarily as clear and as I feel it is in this particular mini series where it's, it's Batman versus the, the hyper adapter.
1: Like I, I, I think there's something that may be happening and I might be misunderstanding what you're saying, but uh-huh. I think where I can make a, uh, where I can have faith and you can't uh-huh. is that I consider Return to Bruce Wayne and Batman and Robin to be the same thing, and so I do not have the problem that the ideological underpinnings that make me give a freer pass to Batman Robin are set up in another comic that I think you do. Yeah, because I I I think at least part of what you're saying is that Batman Robin doesn't work in its own rules; it works in the rules of something else. It doesn't give enough information to understand. The metaphorical metaphorical aspects. If you go along with my reading of
0: it, yes, uh, that's that's that's. I guess that's part of it. I guess the the difference to me also is the the metaphor is could not be made more clear in Return to Bruce Wayne. And maybe this is it. Maybe it's again that like and I that, don't that, like to
1: think. Um, no, I, I don't even think I, I don't like think. I think that. The metaphor can't be made more clear in Return of Bruce Wayne because it's literally in the text. Like what exactly. pretty much says, here it is. Whereas I don't think the metaphor is even addressed in Batman and Robin. Right. And I think I make the lead because I've read Return of Bruce Wayne. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it's so that I for example, if you'd asked me about Batman and Robin last well, week before, before I, read Return read this. Persuane, exactly. I don't know if I'd had the same reaction.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we are certainly contentious. No, because I, I get that. But I <laughs> also
1: I you're wrong. You're yes.
0: wrong. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I I do think that there is... Um, I I think for me, like, there's kind of... Uh, yeah, I, I admit it. I am enough of a traditionalist where if the idea is, is that the thing that you are facing is ultimately empty, um, which is something that's put forward in, like, I don't know, something is... I guess like Stephen King's It, for example. Like, those things are addressed explicitly enough. Um, but otherwise, it gets down to sort of a, a big case of like, no, 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 you're going to have to trust me on this one. And I yeah, do think that time. people engender a lot of trust and goodwill. I, I, I can see, like, reading the annotations or hearing your argument, a way in which it makes sense. I just feel that it is unearned, in a way, by the text that that is that I I think has to be, you kind of have to hold the, the writer on the hook for that. Um,
1: No, I I think, I think that's definitely an arguably more sensible reaction than mine.
0: Well, no, because I I think that, you know, the great thing is, is by your reaction, you end up having a lot more enjoyment. (laughs) And I also feel generally the, the rule of thumb is, is I get the sense looking at the reactions of people on throughout that they were very, um, they enjoyed it. They were generally thought that it was very satisfying. But this is one of my problems of like, I feel like when I read The Mindless Ones, for example, I think those people are all absolutely so unbelievably intelligent and insightful and way, way, way more knowledgeable than I am on so much stuff. And yet, at a realm i also feel that they're making some some drastic mistake which is the um you know the whole class it, it's it's the, the the creative equivalent of like you know hey everybody i'm having so much fun whitewashing this fence you know what i mean like the, like all of a sudden everyone's jumping in and doing all of the work and I feel that there is a point where, obviously, the more rewarding a work is or can be, is is tied to how much work the 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 reader does um, in terms of participating in it and co-creating it. There's also times where I think if you're not careful, it ends up you end up with a completely different set of Shoddy work and bad art that 's separate from the shoddy at work and bad art that you get when the writer gives the the reader absolutely nothing to do where the creator does it all and lays it out on a platter for you somewhere in between the two is I think the the sweet spot, but I just feel like everyone 's much quicker to sort of dash off into the light when um, when there 's like a very clever person there who 's very smart um who is maybe not able to pull off everything that they're going with at that point, it becomes that level of like, well, you know, somebody, like you said, like I'm able to give Morrison the benefit of the doubt when he pulls off 80% of what he's trying for. And other people are, you know, willing to do that. If he can pull off 60% of what he's, you know, shooting for wherever I'm at in the zone, it's at this level that kind of trips me up because the first part of Return of Bruce Wayne, I didn't like. The second half, I really did like. Interestingly enough, to me, the big difference was I could really like it even though I didn't necessarily agree with it. Um, so here's a question for you that I'm I okay. to ask that hopefully isn't just uh, um, me talking in a, a, a mean s- voice
1: at you. Why what, do it be hilarious is if this question has nothing to do with Batman and Robin? Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> do um, you like spaghetti? Do I look bald or to you (laughs) than six months ago? Or is it... Because I can't tell. Um, No, no, no. Do you feel... And maybe you'll disagree with me, but I get the sense that the second half of Return of Bruce Wayne is Bruce... you, You get that delightful little scattershot panels of, you know world upside down, thought, sacrifice, pow, think, blam. This Mm. deconstruction of Batman that's really unbelievably charming. And then the reassembly of him, I suppose, um, in which he sort of exercises the hyper-adapter, rejects it, and, and recreates himself. Like, Batman must die, and he literally there's that amazing shot of him his recreation of himself uh when he's summoning the all over sort of a do you think that's what's happening in that part of the book and b doesn't it seem weird that there's kind of a lack of crime in batman in in batman's recreation i suppose
1: What do you mean by a lack of a lack of crime being seen on the page?
0: Yeah, that that kind of there's the idea. I don't
1: don't think that Batman is. I don't think the Batman is about crime. Okay. And so it doesn't actually bother me. Like I I think he's about a crime, but I think it's not about the crime as a crime. It's about the crime as a tragedy. If you can see a distinction.
0: I I do, and I mean I get the sense that this is sort of what Morrison is saying. Is is that what Morrison is saying is is that Batman is about survival. He's about the survival of tragedy.
1: Yes, and that and that and and on some level, mm-hmm. Batman does not care about the law. And so, crime is a is a very um, almost alien concept. Uh, well,
0: and not just the law, but I guess the idea of that Batman is a survivor of tragedy. You see what I mean? But he's not. To me, I would have, I would define Batman as a survivor of a tragic crime. You know what I mean? Like I see Batman as inherently a crime fighter. And it seems to me that by the end of this, Morrison has very explicitly set Batman up as a fighter of evil.
1: You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but, um, I think he does that by the end of return of Bruce Wayne. And I think by the end of Batman and Robin, he's flipped again. Interesting. Because the end of return of uh, the end of, um, that's not true. I think by the end of return of Bruce Wayne, uh-huh. Batman is a factor of evil because Batman is working on the mythic level.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I think by the end of Batman and Robin, Batman has, I don't want to say defeated evil, uh-huh. but he has ended with evil for now, and he explicitly says that he wants to tackle crime.
0: Well, and this is the part that kind of baffled me, is there's like a flipping of the two that I wasn't entirely comfortable with, and honestly, there were some... It's like there are th- Things at the end of Batman and Robin, uh, of Return of Bruce Wayne six,
1: yeah, they feel contradicts or contradicts,
0: yeah, especially that sequence. I mean, what I like is the idea of walking out of, you know, Return of Bruce. Batman has a sense of right. It's Batman is an idea that is viable, like you said, the the idea that he's got a sense of Batman as a myth and the idea that that myth can be larger than just Bruce Wayne.
1: Yes, is... the, 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 the myth, the, the, not only the myth, but Batman himself is the result of multiple people.
0: Right, exactly. And,
1: which leads directly into the idea that he's then going to franchise Batman. Exactly. So Because this... he realizes, I think, and this, again, is totally my reading, could be entirely wrong, I think the point of Return of Bruce Wayne Mm-hmm. is that Bruce Wayne is not Batman. Uh, right. Well, the, Or rather, the Batman is not Bruce Wayne. Exactly. The Batman can be anyone. Right. Bruce Wayne,
0: Bruce Wayne is and, Batman, but the idea of what's specifically happening there is the creation of Batman... As an idea. Yes.
1: And not a person. Exactly. But when I say uh, Batman is not Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne is not Batman, I also mean that I think it creates a way for him to be Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Out Being Batman. Right. And so the return of Bruce Wayne, like, suddenly gains a second meaning. It's not just Bruce Wayne has come back through time and everyone thinks he's dead, mm-hmm. but also there is a possibility for a Bruce Wayne who is at some point not going to be Batman.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, I, I agree that that's the meaning. I'm not necessarily sure. Honestly, this is another one where I feel like I'm not sure that we have, if Morrison has earned that. Idea, basically. In I, I'm not. I'm
1: not sure he has, and I, I said to you, I think I don't even know if we're recording. That I actually have a lot of problems with Batman Inc. as a concept, right? Um And I think the problem I have with Batman Inc. as a concept is the idea of Bruce Wayne is going to come out as the person who's funding Batman is fine. I mean, it's a bit hokey, but for, like I'll buy into it. Mm-hmm. The idea that he's then going to franchise Batman causes me all manner of problems. <laughs> Because then he's getting back into ego. If he wants to fight crime, then let him fund the Justice League, mm-hmm. or the Teen Titans, or or all of them. Why does it have to be Batman Incorporated? Why does it have to be centered around his former identity or even current identity? Why why is Batman central to it? If he wants to for, have a global war on crime, like the I the answer is because it's a franchise. You know, it's a, a new franchise for the publisher, but right. in story logic. I really think it falls down. I'm hoping it gets addressed. I'm hoping someone says something like, you know, if the Civil War on Grand Black Island, you just, you know, fund the Justice League. Right.
0: Well, and and what I think that he would say, because I don't think, I mean, clearly the way that he's presenting things to the public isn't entirely the truth, you know, because he's, of course, not explicitly saying that he's Batman, you know, um, I think his thing, and and this is the other part that where I'm basically confused is, again, this, the idea of Batman as an idea is the idea of Batman as survivor, as Batman as fighter of evil, and as Batman as, you know, survivor of tragedy. Also, weirdly, the things that are in it are Batman seems tied to Gotham uh, explicitly in that sort of uh, resurrection sequence where they say, just, just tell him that Gotham needs him and he will be back, you know? And that seems to be like a big key to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that frustrate me about it is again, at the end of Batman and Robin, He's like, I'm
1: leaving Gotham to someone else.
0: Yeah, he's basically, exactly. He's like, I'm leaving Gotham to someone else. I actually
1: don't have a massive problem with that because uh, I can look at it in two ways. One, that he knows that Gotham's going to be in safe hands because Dick is going to be Batman and he Mm -hmm. trusts Dick. And two, that he looks at what happens at the end of Batman Robin 16, which is really what has been happening since Batman Mm R.A.P., which at this point is how many years of story? Right. Um, as a graduation from being that person.
0: Yes. Well, I have
1: succeeded at this, even if, like, he's not really succeeded because it's always going to be crime, because it's always going to have to be the stories. But I have dealt with the thing that has fucked Gotham up so badly. Right. Gotham is now just going to be a regular messed up city. Why don't I try and help other places?
0: I I kind of see it as, again, the idea that Hurt is actually... The is dark side. He is he's literally Batman's dark side. You know, he is literally the dark side of Bruce Wayne and Batman. So, Hurt is always coming back to Gotham, and he's obsessed with the idea of it making it his city. Like he wants to have everything that Batman wants to have because Batman wants to have it. You, you see what I'm saying? So he he's a dark because he's a dark mirror of Batman. It would work more for me if there's some sort of panel or just a little bit of a thread or a crumb to make Bruce Wayne be like, I've learned all this stuff about myself, seeing this dark twisted mirror version of me makes me realize I need to eschew Batman, you know, like... Batman is more than me and I like I don't have to have the ego attached to him. I don't have to have the ego attached to Gotham, you know, and this is my way of spreading out, like the idea of Batman and spreading it across the world. But again, I sort of feel like but I'm being like I'm like none of this is any like I'm just at this stage of like I could basically put just about slot anything in there. What bothers me is the ways in which Something that's so clearly been thought on and worked over by Morrison, A, still doesn't seem to come together. And I guess after some of the stuff in Return of Bruce Wayne, I should say, come together yet. You know, Um, one of the things that struck me that I'll I'll point out as as an example uh, is in Batman R.I.P., there's a point when he's running around as the zur R Batman, and he talks about looking at Gotham City and saying like, oh, I understand, this is a machine that makes Batman, you know? Yeah. That really kind of, what I was like, is this just Morrison, like, free associating? I felt like that was such a weird out-there idea that was interesting but wasn't tied to anything. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, with Return of Bruce Wayne – The idea that he would be traveling through time, essentially, sort of around Gotham. I was like, oh, okay, so he's going to be basically building Gotham as a way to make himself, you know? Um, That sort of made a lot of sense to me, and is something that I... Like I said, currently, maybe that's something that will come up in Batman Incorporated or, you know, the next time he travels through time. But currently, it's like, no, actually, he doesn't. Like,
1: Yeah, but you see, I I see that as that is what happened, but it wasn't his doing. The way I read what happens with the Mm hyper-adapter is that Darkseid created—Darkseid rewrote the past. Mm Mm-hmm. So that not only would Bruce Wayne become Batman, not only would Bruce Wayne have that tragedy, right? but that Simon Hurt would also be created mm-hmm. and Bruce Wayne would have this tragedy and then be further crushed. He would think he has overcome his tragedy right? and then be crushed. So that it's Darkseid who created the machine to create Batman. Hmm. May, that,
0: maybe. All I can say is what's frustrating to me is there's no sense of that to me. Uh, you know,
1: the, the other thing is like the problem with that is it's entirely a reading as opposed to the reading. It's so open to interpretation that it might not actually be there. Well, sure,
0: because I think there's not enough really to go on. I mean, one of the things that's kind of frustrating about Return of Bruce Wayne for me is both the Hyper Adapter and uh, Thomas and Bruce Wayne are all kind of equally lost in time. There's no real sense that anyone's manipulating anything, which I guess is fine. Maybe that's supposed to be the point. But ultimately what came out of it was kind of an idea of like, every point that like Batman has no, like Bruce Wayne has no sense of who he is, everything that establishes who he is, is him as Batman, I guess. So, in a way, by the time you get to the idea of the return of Bruce Wayne, the idea that Bruce Wayne is returned, I'm like, there's less of this guy than there ever was. There's almost nothing that shows of him that's not a, just kind of basically a resilient guy who's got amazing training. In other words, he's Batman. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's nothing else that's kind of there. And in addition, I kind of felt like, and there's no sense of, gotham having been created to create him and like you said i know that you mentioned that you know there's that one little bit where they talk about dark side you know again that was in what batman 701 or 702 which i think were among my favorite issues actually of the whole thing um where they talk about the idea that yeah, yet yeah, dark side has got him uh and vice versa but i don't there's something about the reoccurring nature of myth that I think that Morrison is trying to strike at, like the the word "gotcha" and the the dropping of the gun and mm-hmm. and the the fact that Barbados, some of the things that Barbados says to Thomas in that sequence when they confront each other, um, are phrases that Batman himself has uttered at various points. Mm-hmm. Um, seems to see make it seem like there is a like when a when a man faces a myth there's kind of this like resounding like feedback that basically shakes everything apart but i still kind of feel like there's not enough of a sense of oh i really know what these pieces are that i'm putting back together or in some cases when there are i don't feel like i agree with them
1: i i did I tell you I reread RIP? Uh, no, no, no. I'd be curious to and re- see. And rereading RIP is mm-hmm. uh, both a rewarding and really frustrating experience. Because oh. I think I think what you're saying is that Morrison, for whatever reason, did not succeed in his themes. Did not succeed in his aims. Yeah. And I think that part of that might be because I'm not sure Morrison is a good enough writer to do that. Because he's really reaching for grand fucking themes here. Mm hmm. Um reading re-reading R.I.P. made me really impressed with the level of long-term planning he's done. There's a throwaway line in R.I.P. which sets up Batman every uh, time Bruce Wayne issue 5.
0: Yes, exactly. Like really, about really the detective clear, or the, who disappears. Mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. and it's him.
1: Yeah. Um, but it also... like R.I.P.'s a mess. Mm-hmm. R.I.P.'s much more of a mess than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. Um... That even with everything I now know about Simon Hurt, mm-hmm. it's still a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think there's a, an element of what we were talking about before as well in terms of um, Iron Man too. Morrison knows the story he's writing so well that he forgets to tell everyone else parts of the story.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I well, and I think that's it. I mean, or even yeah, there's a level of that, and I think there's also kind of a level of we've got I've got too much stuff and not enough time to jam in here, and I I think that I think that he does eschew now the traditional like here, let me you know let me have a scene that points to this or let me have a scene that fills this out. It's kind of all like move 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 move. Um, and the, the, the payoffs, the emotional payoffs I feel are kind of are, are pretty meager um, and he kind of leaves it to you to decide whether you're going to have them or not. And I'm kind of I guess I, I guess I'm a little more old-fashioned in that regard. Um, it's ambitious as hell and like I said, I love the the sort of the you know, just the that little sweep of the isolated panels and the isolated word balloons that's this deconstruction of Batman is really thrilling in its way. And you know, the 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 when Darkseid appears again and Batman's facing him down and he's also facing the the dudes with the eyes from the temple in fifty two, when he's going through essentially that isolation experience, it's clearly each period of his initiation I guess really amazing stellar stuff um or just linking the hanged man to an upside down bat which I thought was really like like that's that's amazing I also feel it doesn't work but the connection between the two is amazing yeah um So, yeah, so I'm filled with so much frustration because there's so much about it that I loved. And yet I feel for the second time in a row, uh, I find myself kind of going, this is so great and yet doesn't work for me. So, and I'm kind of curious the extent to which everything that you say is really sound. But I also feel like it's all stuff that you had to to work to put in there more than... Maybe more than is to, actually yeah. there in a way. Yeah.
1: And that, that's no, I'm. Me. I yeah, and I I think that's as much as I love it, and as much as like I believe in my interpretation, I think that's a problem in the work. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm glad that we're both aware of it as a problem because other people are like, no, it's awesome.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, but that's just not, like I still think it's awesome. The fact <laughs> that it's a problematic work.
0: Doesn't make it not awesome. Oh, oh no no no! It's awesome, and I I'm, I appreciate that. My my problem is is that the the number of people who are like, no 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 no, it's not that it doesn't work. It's that it's awesome. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like the part that doesn't work is the part that's awesome. Like just kind of whole smear of like this would work work so much less well if like if like it was comprehensible kind of way. You know. <laughs> Um, as as opposed to it being six of one, half dozen of another. And the stuff that I love, I can love. And the stuff that I don't love, I can see as flawed. Because the people, I, I, like I said, I'm not getting as much of the, it's flawed as much as people going, oh my god, this is so awesome. And all of it works. And it's like, really? All of it? Really? I don't know. But, <sighs> Okay, so I'm trying to think if there was some other thing that I wanted to ask you about. So, your problem with Batman Incorporated
1: is... It's just that I think it's too, and this is ridiculous considering everything, but I think it's too in in service of let's have a new Batman comic as opposed to the story logic. I think the story logic does not actually track. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Right. Well, I think, I think we're, we're in the same place on that, and I uh, obviously are, are disquieted in different ways. Um, Knight and Squire. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about other comics? Can we do that, Graham? Okay, but let's
1: do it quickly, so I'm going to have to get off the phone really soon. I
0: know. Well, see, this is it. We're just short of an hour, so we can actually wrap this son of a bitch okay, up. Okay, like,
1: like Let's do like seven minutes. Knight and Squire. I actually haven't finished the second issue yet. Interesting. Wow. I, I have real problems with Night Square way and I'm not entirely sure why. My problems
0: with it are I think the art falls apart. It fell yes, apart it's the, in both art, issues. That is
1: definitely a problem, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's just the art. Interesting. Uh I, I, I think I'm really frustrated at Cornell writing too much about cliches mm-hmm. and about stereotypes and like doing it like this is the behind the scenes without providing enough of this. The cliche that he's writing about, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I I get, and I have no idea if this is just me, I get really frustrated with the amount of in-jokes British culture. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. It
1: seems far too, and here's another reference, and here's another reference, and here's another reference, uh, to the detriment of the story itself.
0: Right. Well, and it could be because he's planning on the majority of that flying over most people's heads. Yeah, it, it really could be. It could be it out to I'm, other people. I'm
1: getting too much. But um, yeah. but even like at the start of this issue, we were talking about next time I want to talk to the organ grinder, not the monkey. It's just, I don't know, it really annoyed me as a joke. <laughs> really? Yes, <Yeah, That's... laughs> it really did. I was like, honestly, that's what you're doing?
0: What, the idea that it's the monkey, not the organ grinder? Or is there some other reference? No, the
1: idea that he he had a monkey saying, don't you know who this is? This is the organ grinder, which is the joke. And that he then felt the need to go, this is what I'm making a reference to. Do you get it now? Right, right.
0: Yeah, exactly. It it was
1: honestly, like, that line was honestly like, he was like, did you see that I just did a funny joke two panels ago? (laughs) And I was kind of like, oh, shut up. Like, if you're going to put jokes like that in, Give the reader enough credit to get the joke,
0: huh? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I was sort I, of like, I, I was kind of like, uh, it didn't seem to me overplayed, so I didn't have that problem. But again, I think this is the key to this podcast: is I am dim.
1: I don't think that's the key to this podcast. <laughs> anyway, why, why do you bring up Night and Squire? Do you I, like
0: it? I brought up Night and Squire because it struck me as a book that was uh, enjoyable and problematic. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about the first issue. The first issue I thought was a very pleasing done-in-one, uh, or oneer except the, the real problem was that the art fell apart. So, like, when it oh, gets I to... I, the,
1: the first issue, I honestly thought would have been great if it had had a story.
0: Uh, see, I kind of thought there was sort of a story introduced there behind the scenes of the thing, and then it all falls apart. I was like,
1: okay. But, but that was the problem. Like, the story was introduced behind the scenes. I felt like it was maybe half of a book have been like, here's a character, 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 here's a character. Oh, yeah, and this happens. Here's a character, here's a character. I just, there, it seems like a it seems like a series for me. And like I said, I'm not even finished the second issue. Right. Uh, it seems like a series for me that is all about the references and the in-jokes and not about the story. And I, I really have a problem with that.
0: I thought the first one worked as a done-in-one story that actually did work as a story in terms of it set a lot of stuff up and it spun on its little internal inherent premise in it, so it worked. Second one, I thought was kind of a uh, less successful, and also I felt that it's also completely undermined by the art, which is totally fine up until the point where action scenes happen and then the action scenes couldn't be more static, which leads to an even greater feeling of nothing's happening. I
1: suppose. Mm-hmm. So, so um, there's something odd about the art as well, and I feel like the art is too big. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. Some, I don't know why I feel like that, but <laughs> like, there's something about the art that makes it feel like it should be smaller.
0: Interesting. I kind of thought that the art is about the right size for me, uh, weirdly enough. But I do know what you mean in that the characters are all big on the page. But I think that's precisely the problem where once the action scenes start happening, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's no dynamicism. Yeah, there is no space for it. Everything is too close. And yeah, I think that's, that's a big problem. And I want to talk about Thor The Mighty Avenger 5, because that's also a relatively uh, a done-in-one.
1: and Because it's lovely, because it's wonderful, because yeah. Chris Samney is so fucking good.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I actually really love the characterization of Namor
1: in it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd love... I, I've said this before, I just love this series. Yeah, I, I really think do Roger too. I is is really every single issue knocking it out the park. And I think that Chris Amnia and Matt Wilson are, it's the best looking book at Marvel. Yeah. I agreed. Agreed. Um, it's its just so good. And it's one of those things where you're kind of like, why aren't more people reading this? And then you realize, because most people don't really want to read this.
0: Right. Which I guess is kind of a shame
1: because I think. It is, it is a shame, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, I just think it's a, an amazing mm-hmm. book.
0: I it's it's one of one of my favorites on the stands these days. So Also,
1: I think you should go on Twitter and wish Chris a happy birthday. I should wish who a what who with what? Chris a happy birthday. It's it's his birthday today. Oh is it? Oh okay. Yes. I- Sure, I don't know him at all, but yeah, I, I, I think you should. I think you should be like happy birthday. I'm not even wishing happy birthday. It's um, it's his birthday and it's J.T. Crawl's Kr- birthday and Paul Tobin's birthday.
0: Wow, that's some sort of weird unholy trio right there. Yeah, I actually saw you wishing Paul Tobin a happy birthday, and good for him. Happy
1: birthday. <laughs> good for him for making it through. Yes, um, exactly. Okay, I have I have one question to ask then, and I will quickly get off. Which is, um, are you reading Adventures Children's Crusade?
0: Uh, I am not, I'm not, because as much as I loved the first Young Avengers, I don't know, arc or whatever, Heinberg and, and uh, what's his name's first one on it, thank John, you, yeah. I which I thought was wonderful, there was something that kind of broke my heart about it, and I was like, I'm just not going to do it again. I might pick it up when it's collected,
1: but Yeah, having... that's what I was going to say. I, as much as I think that the um, scheduling of Batman was really bad, mm-hmm. this book has been killed by being bi-monthly.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: I swear to God. I mean, every time I read it, I'm like, "That's a good issue," but <laughs> it, there's no momentum to it. Yeah, it's there's it's, no it's really it's horrible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's really good. Yeah, yeah, but no. it's being killed by the scheduling. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, I wish they had
0: had more finished Uh, oh no it's just it was one of those things where it's like I'm just gonna have to read it in the trade and that's one where it's that it's kind of to me that classic like they reap what they sow a little bit you know of like I was on it and man they killed me with how late it got and then when it got to the end I was kind of like I liked it but I so bare like even it was good enough that it managed to suck me back in with each new issue in the first run but mm-hmm. between that and the huge delay on Wonder Woman, which I also had started buying for Heinberg, I just went, you know what? I'm just not going to buy this guy in, this, in, in the singles. Yeah. I'm just not. I'll read him. I I, read. I think
1: you're going to have a much better experience when you read it and collect it. But uh, yeah, singles, it's horrible. <laughs> and we never and got that, a chance to... I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But it's just not working out.
0: Yeah, that that's kind of a, kind of a shame. Well, you know, maybe that's that's where they should have done the OGN then, and they could have uh, talked about how awesome and successful it was when it came out. It's like we're pulling Alan Heinberg from all the other books he's doing for us and putting him on in the next volume of it. Which he's not. Nice. <laughs> it was worth it just for that little distant Graham voice. Um, all right, well, listen, I should let you go. We have things to talk about next time, I guess. Hopefully you'll have to keep all that thinking about Casanova fresh in your mind for, for when yeah, we talk.
1: Uh, yeah, or I might just email it to you because I don't think anyone wants to hear me talk about Casanova anymore.
0: Dude, I think everybody does. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we've got some really all, all, interesting all, all reactions.
1: I, all so. I'll say is this. Mm-hmm. Rereading the second arc after having just reread all of the first arc again in the released for him. Mm-hmm. Two things stand out. One, I can't wait to see the second arc recolored because the colouring at the first release really, really fucking works against it. Interesting. It's too it's too bright. It's okay. it's so bright that it overwhelms they are, and I think that's a real shame. Mm-hmm. Uh and reading the second arc knowing the twist ending mm-hmm. is a very different experience from reading it and then having the twist ending revealed. Ah. Interesting. Uh it's to the point where you realize the Fraction actually tells you the twist ending really early on. And really obviously when you know it's there. Right. And I completely overlooked it. There's literally not only a line of dialogue, there's a visual cue. Nice. Um, and he's, he's literally telling you. He's literally telling you the twist. Mm-hmm. It's not even like he's hinting at it. I mean, the visual cue, he's hinting at it. Mm-hmm. But the dialogue is literally telling you the twist. Wow. Um, I, I'm, should I tell you? You can edit it out. You've read it, right?
0: Uh, I I have not edited. I I do not tell me. Let's play that. Okay. Maybe I should dig up those issues uh, and read them since I'm well on my way through finishing the first trade.
1: Okay. Yes. And and you'll when you get to the line, you know exactly what I'm talking about.
0: Okay. That sounds good. And and it,
1: it's really uh you like you smart bastard. <laughs> you literally. Told the audience what the twist was, and mm-hmm. no one picked up on it. Yeah, and part of that is because it's for the reason that I was actually really annoyed at it, which is I think by having so many people say "when is Casanova going?" When it's not a "when," mm-hmm. I think it's a cheat. Mm. I think it's I think it's such a misdirection mm-hmm. that it's unfair. Interesting. Um, but rereading it, knowing what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Is a much better experience, huh. um, and I, I like. I'm really happy about that because when I read the uh, the Stark Brazilian Iron Man, mm-hmm. I was really just like, "Oh my god, this is the guy I once thought was awesome." Right. Um, and then I I reread Casanova, and I was like, "Oh, this is why I thought he was awesome." Right.
0: Yeah, no. This this uh, that's really good to hear. I um, it's it's a shame I will have to edit all this stuff out in a way because of course now I'm like I don't even know where to end now. Like
1: normally I just Wait, get Why, why us do you have to? In. Why do you have to edit this out? You could do I this.
0: really? I can't leave. I can <laughs> leave <laughs> that in. I feel like well,
1: I've not of... I've I'm not, I'm not said what the line of dialogue is. So I'm not spoiling it for anyone. Oh okay. Well then uh, all, I'll leave it. In. All, I, all yeah. All I'm saying is there is a line in Casanova Gula, which I guess will be in the first issue of the reprint. When it comes out <laughs> now As you're the, being a little too isn't oh, that no, no, a little no, no, spoiling no, seriously people who have read it will be like i know exactly what you're talking about or right. rather people who have reread it well no i'm exactly what i know exactly what you're talking about but if you're reading it for the first time you will have no fucking idea interesting interesting
0: well that's great i because
1: that... um, it, it really did make me think oh this is really smart i also realized when we were reading that um I think one of the reasons I felt I really disliked—I well, didn't even really dislike Gula—but the ending of Gula I really disturbed me was it was such a... I don't say a downer in a way that Luxuria wasn't because I think Luxuria is actually a, a massive downer as well. Yes, um, but it's such a different—it's—it's it's almost like a hopeless downer mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I think that when Casanova gets emotional in the first arc, there's still an element of things are going to be okay. Yeah, definitely. And that I think Gula really isn't. I think Gula is literally just incredibly depressing. Uh right up until the last page. Interesting. Uh because every I mean everything just goes wrong
2: mm-hmm.
1: in Gula. Repeatedly. And and nothing is as it seems. And when the truth is revealed, the truth is always worse. Right. Right. Um I mean it's, it really is just utterly depressing. Um <laughs> And if Luxura is in part about the possibility of escape and the possibility of, of bucking the system and of winning. Yes. I think Gula is about losing. Mm-hmm. And the inevitability of losing. Interesting. Um, and the distance between I think reading Gula wanting it to have that upbeat mm-hmm. downerism, for want of a better way of putting it. Right. And just approaching it as its own thing really helped me with the reread. Interesting. I think when I didn't want it to, to have a... Uh, and in the end, everything's going to be okay, really. Right. So, because the last part of it is really grim. hmm The last part of it is everything is fucked up. You know, he's facing the fact that everything is fucked up, and everyone is like, nope, not going to forgive you. Everything's <laughs> fucked. You tried to do the right thing. It could fucked up everything's fucked. Tough luck. That's what happens. Things get fucked up, uh, and it's such a downer. It's so depressing. Mm-hmm. Up until the last page, and the last page could even be read as being depressing as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, but I choose not to. I choose to think that, like it, it's actually meant as as a, a sob towards optimism again. But oh. the, the, the 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 grimness of it really, 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 I think impacted my reading the first time in a way that I didn't expect.
0: Interesting. Well, that's uh, that is good so to yes, know. Reread,
1: and you'll see what I'm talking about in both ways. And if you don't get the line, then once you've reread, email me and say I don't know what that line is, and I'll email it to you. And you'll be oh. like, oh motherfuck. <laughs> it's it's so blatant that it actually stopped me and retracts when I was reading it.
0: Well, that sounds um, something to look forward to. Part of me kind of wishes that, like, the last volume of sea Guy and the last volume of Casanova came out at the same time, you know, because...
1: Isn't Casanova got, like, another six series to run? Uh, Casanova? Hi, Cas- yeah, is Casanova not, like, a seven-book series?
0: Oh, is it? I, yeah. I, I sort of assumed it was a, a trilogy, so... No,
1: Casanova's working through The Sins.
0: Oh, right, of course it is. So, wow. Well, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I was just thinking of the sort of the upbeat versus the downbeat, kind of, and how that worked out with the first and second miniseries of Guy, which were kind of turned on their head in a way. You
1: know. You've just reminded me. Okay, I really do have to get off the phone, but I will say this to you very quickly, and you can cut this part out. All okay. right, no, leave it in. Um, at the party last week, um, Eric... I God, I've forgotten Eric's last name. Eric whatever his last name is who works with Portal Mercury and is an awesome guy I am blew my mind by pointing out that Back to the Future and Indiana Jones are the same trilogy <laughs> his theory is this, the first film uh-huh. is pitch perfect and uh-huh. makes it dark and light yep. but it's essentially optimistic yes. the second film is far too grim and then the filmmakers shot themselves and made the third movie too lights. And Way vampires. too light.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's actually a great point. Uh, or I mean, rather. It was like, a... it was
1: like they're the same thing. They're the same movie.